Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, here with my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. Today, we will be wrapping up the Ravens' 20-19 loss at Pittsburgh. We'll look at the two-point decision made by John Harbaugh at the end of that game, and of course, the big news coming out of that is the injury to Marlon Humphrey, and then we'll look ahead quickly to the Cleveland Browns. The Ravens saw them two weeks ago, and now they go right back and face them again, this time in Cleveland. First, let's look at this Steelers game. The Ravens, again, the offense scuffled, but they were there to win it at the end of the game after losing the lead late. They drive down the field. It's 20 to 19 with 12 seconds left after uh, Lamar Jackson throws a touchdown pass to Sammy Watkins. Uh, Harbaugh decides against kicking the game tying extra point and instead chooses to go for two for the win. Lamar Jackson, facing pressure from T.J. Watt, tries to throw a pass in the flat to Mark Andrews, who was open, but the pass is a little bit off target. It goes off Andrews' fingertips, and the Ravens lose 20-19. to There's a lot to, we can talk about. First, Daniel Wilcox, let's talk just briefly about that decision. What do you make of John Harbaugh's decision to go for two and play for the win right then and there? Well, at the spur of the moment, I actually love the decision to go for it. I mean, without even knowing what's going on. And people don't realize, like, how much goes on throughout games, right? You know, these guys got headphones on. And when they got headsets on on the sideline, the coaching staff, there are guys up in the booth. There's guys down on the sideline. They're communicating back and forth. You know, there are also doctors. There's also head trainers. And everybody is communicating with each other, you know, telling them, Hey, this guy's down. This guy's up. This guy's, you know, he can't go back in this, you know, you got all these different things going on and, and you, you feel the emotion and the energy, you know, of your team and your players, you know, and, I, and there was a momentum shift there towards the end of the game in the Ravens favor. And the Ravens started, you know, clicking on all cylinders. L- Lamar got more relaxed, I think, in the pocket. And he, he made some kill. I mean, the, the throw for the touchdown was freaking phenomenal. He just sat back there in the pocket like he had all day. It felt no pressure. They gave him time to make the throw. Um, he, I think he threw it to his third target. You, you, you watch his eyes as a progression, it like his third read, and he threw a strike right down the middle, you know, and and you you have to love that. I think they had a great play call. I, I can promise you they ran that play probably 100 times in practice. They knew exactly what the play was going to do to the Pittsburgh Steelers, how they was going to play it. And um, I think it played right into they, um, their hands. You know, I, I, I think what happened on that particular play but um, the two-point play was that Lamar tried to be patient. He tried to wait it out. He had um, Watts in his face. He stepped to the side a little bit. He put the ball right where Mark was supposed to be going. And Mark kind of shuffled and turned his body to the side and slowed himself down just enough for him to miss that throw about an inch, inch and a half away from having an easy completion. Uh, if he doesn't turn his shoulders the way he did back to Lamar, then he has an easy walk-in touchdown for a two-point conversion, and they win the game by one. I thought Harbaugh's decision was brilliant. I felt like it was a veteran coach decision. And I felt like if I was at home or if I, I, mean, if I was on the sideline, if I was coaching and I was the head guy, I would have made the same choice. I get a chance to win the game right now on this one play, or I got to wait another four or five minutes to try to beat these guys for another four or five minutes versus me trying to beat them right now. I got one play. It's us versus them. I think my guys are better than your guys. I think we're better prepared than you are. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull the trigger. You know, I, why, why wait another five, six minutes to try to beat you at home at Pittsburgh at Heinz field where you got all the advantage and the most worst towel in the history of football. It's a terrible towel. You even call it terrible because it's so terrible. 
you know, I mean, why not, you know, go for it, go for it all with one play. And you had a chance to win it. I think it was a brilliant call by Harbaugh, you know, and I, I'm, I, I take my hat off to him for being gutsy enough to do it. And I, I, I love it as a player. You want your coach to believe in you. You know, when Lamar turns to the sideline and say, hey, on fourth down, let's go for it. <laughs> Every single time I see that, it never happened when I was in Baltimore. When Kyle Bowler turned to the sideline and said, hey, let's go for it. Billy was like, hell no, get off the field. We got Matt Stover, you know, and you got Justin Tucker. So, I mean, I, I think it was a very gutsy call. Uh, yeah, of course, it's automatic. You tie the game up with Tucker, but it, you know, you don't know how the game's going to go in overtime. You had a chance to win it right now. Why freaking wait to win? Let's go get it. Let's go get it all right now. Well, that was one of the issues was uh, a lot of people that were second guessing and saying, come on, you have the best kicker in the league. You can tie the game right here and then play on to overtime. John Harbaugh was asked after the game, you know, the, on the decision, and he said, look, we were pretty much out of corners at that point. Marlon Humphrey had gotten hurt on the on the Steelers touchdown, so he was not available. Tavon Young was there in person, but he was sick all week. He only played about eight snaps in that game. He was more or less not available. Jimmy Smith was hurting all week. Anthony Averett played every snap, but he was hurting. And John Harbaugh's thinking was, look, that first of all, the Steelers scored 17 points. They've scored the last three times they had the ball. The defense, which really wasn't on the field much early in that game, was just flat out gassed at the end. And as he said, out of corners. If the Steelers win that toss, there's a good likelihood they're going to march right down the field and score with that defensive situation. Harbaugh has the ball at the two-yard line with a chance to win the game right there, and he went for it. Uh, I didn't mind the decision. I understand the people that say, look, you got the best kicker. Let's put the hand, let's put on the foot of Tucker, but you just don't know what's going to happen in overtime. And as you said, without question, the play was there. Mark Andrews was open. And if that ball and Andrews are in the right spot together, he walks into the end zone and they're walking out of that game with a win. It was an interesting call. I will say Harbaugh's not, he's gutsy. He'll go on fourth down. He won't hesitate to go on fourth down. He won't hesitate to go in that situation. And of the players we heard from after the game, they love the decision to go for two. It's a lot of what you said. They they love having the trust of their coach to say, you know what, we can go get two yards. It didn't work this time, but it's not a decision. I don't think it's a decision he will second guess. The big news coming out of that game, though, the injury to Marlon Humphrey. We've talked about injuries with this team all year. Marlon Humphrey uh, suffers a torn pec muscle late in that game. If you watch that game again, the injury occurred on the Steelers' last touchdown. They do a little little crossing pattern with the two receivers. Humphrey tries to close on Deontay Johnson at the goal line. And and in in the course of making the tackle, after Humphrey goes to the ground, you can see him writhing and rolling over in pain in in the end zone. Humphrey has a torn peck. He's out for the year. So the Ravens now have lost, among other things, their top three running backs, their Pro Bowl left tackle, their Pro Bowl cornerback in Marcus Peters, and now their Pro Bowl cornerback in Marlon Humphrey among others. It's a staggering number of injuries to this team this year. With Marlon Humphrey out, the Ravens have to go with Anthony Averett and most likely someone like Jimmy Smith, who's been hurting and isn't very healthy. Chris Westry, who's been hurting and not very healthy. Tavon Young, who's been sick and not very healthy. And then a bunch of practice squad players. And this is with with Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers and just a run of great receivers still to come. Where do the Ravens go from here, Daniel Wilcox, with Marlon Humphrey out? You got to go to that great player personnel department that they have upstairs and pray to God they got something up their sleeves. You know, George Kokanis and and those guys, I can pretty much, George T's, I can guarantee you, they're up there goodwill hunting right now. 
you know, and they're looking for that next guy to be able to bring in. I mean, I'm looking at the depth chart right now. I mean, the Ravens got on defense 11 guys on IR, and that's only what they're showing online. It, it could be a couple more guys that they not even have on, on, the, on the thing right now, on the depth chart right now. I mean, I'm looking at two guys that are questionable and another two guys that are definitely out, you know. And so, I mean, when you think about that, you know, 13, 14, 15 guys on defense now, I'm not even talking about the offense. I'm just talking about defense. And you're still sitting where you're sitting right now. I mean, yeah, you lose to Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. I mean, that's almost a, a very common affair, especially when I played in Baltimore. It was always a common affair. You go to Pittsburgh, it was almost a, almost an L, you know, every single time. And they come to Baltimore, it was almost an L for them every single time. So um, to, to be where we at, to lose Martin, Marlon Humphrey, I mean, this this is freaking this horrible. This, this, is, this hurts. This really, really hurts. The blessing is that you still have a chance for the playoffs right now, and you still you still in the playoff hunt right now. And um, without all those guys, without thirteen guys, I mean, it, it takes your hat off to what the Ravens have been able to accomplish. And you also trying to figure out what are they doing to get out. I mean, dang, like what's going on in the scrimp department right now? Well, everybody is down like this, man. It makes you questions a bunch, make you question a bunch of things, man. But at the end of the day. The Ravens have always been a resilient organization. It's a first-class organization. To lose somebody like Marlon Humphrey, I don't think I don't think you could overcome that. To lose Marcus Peters, I don't think you could overcome that. Deshaun Elliott, you know, he was your you know he's your guy. He's your headhunter. He's the guy to set the tempo back there on that back end. To lose those three guys, you're losing all your DBs in one season. I mean, the only person you got still playing right now is Chuck Clark, you know. And um, I think you got to really lean on Anthony Levine a lot. You know, he's an older guy, a veteran guy. He's a special team guy for you more than anything. But he's he has that veteran swagger, that savviness. And he hopefully he'll be able to bring him in and be able to shift some guys around to make some things happen. You know, you're going to have to, to – you all, anytime you lose one great guy, you got to find at least two guys that are okay to replace that one guy. And then you rotate them in and you keep them fresh and then you put in things that benefit those and play to their strengths. And then you put somebody beside them on either the right or the left – that allows them to be able to have that confidence that I, I'm okay on this side because I got help, you know, and they use it, of course, as a cornerback, you use the sideline for your other, your other help. So it'll be very interesting, man, to see what happens this, this, this next week. I mean, Joe Burrow and company, they're not coming in to be nice. You know, they're not coming in there to be nice. They come in there to win a freaking football game. And then they're going to try to get after these guys ASAP. And they're going to try to steal the game within the first quarter, the first couple of possessions if possible well we'll talk about the strategy but we, we used to say you know earlier this season teams were picking on Anthony Averett because Marlon Humphrey on the other side well now you've got now Averett is suddenly the veteran of the group and and on the other side you're likely to be looking at maybe Jimmy Smith maybe Chris Westry maybe one of these practice squad cornerbacks and if there's a practice squad cornerback out there and Aaron Rodgers or you know Matthew Stafford or Baker Mayfield if he, they're going to be salivating at the option of picking on these cornerbacks but that's just the condition one thing is Brandon Stevens who the Ravens you mentioned Deshaun Elliott Brandon Stevens rookie has been starting at safety in Elliott's place he played cornerback in college so he might be a chance to pl- to play some cornerback but of course he hasn't done much practicing at cornerback all year and if he moves to cornerback, then you need another safety because he's been filling in for Elliott. And it would probably be Gino Stone or someone else. It's just a matter of <laughs> trying to put holes in so many dikes because there's so many problems. But 
It's been staggering, and I think the Humphrey injury, I thought the Peters injury was going to be bigger than the J.K. Dobbins injury, and I think the Humphrey injury is bigger than the Peters injury. It's just a, it's a staggering number of injuries, and to your point, we give them credit because right. they're eight and four, and they're still in first place in the division for all of that. And, and they're, you know, they, those eight wins aren't going away. They have them in the bank, and it might be enough still to win the division and get to the playoffs if they would just win a couple more. Here's one thing I want to revisit, though, and because a lot of people had asked me about it, and I think it bears mentioning. They drafted a cornerback in the fifth round this year, Sean Wade, out of Ohio State, and then they traded him uh, toward the end of training camp, and people are lamenting that trade. Here's the thing about Sean Wade, and he, he was a lot of people considered him a first-round talent as a you know junior at Ohio State, and then his senior year at Ohio State, he didn't particularly play well, and his stock his stock dropped, and the Ravens got him in the fifth round. Over the course of the summer here, Sean Wade did not impress, and he was down the depth chart. And so, by the end of it's easy to say, well, if they only only kept Sean Wade, they'd have him now. But the bottom line is. They weren't going to keep Sean Wade at the end of the at the end of training camp. They only going to kept six or seven cornerbacks, and Sean Wade was not going to be one of them. So ultimately, he would have been cut, and then probably claimed via waivers by somebody. Instead, the Ravens at that point said, "You know what? We're not going to keep Wade. Let's try to get something for him." And they traded him and got a couple of future draft picks for him. And that's kind of how you mentioned the personnel department. Those are the decisions they make in August. And maybe in December it doesn't look as good, but in August that's why they make that decision. I'm only saying I don't think Sean Wade would have been here anyway, even if now, because they would have cut him then, and I think he would have been claimed on waivers by someone else. But in the end, there will be some practice squad cornerbacks that are going to have to contribute, whether that's uh, Robert Jackson or Kevin Tolliver, or as you said, they'll be the, the pro personnel department has a folder on every position, and guys are going to be looking at other teams' practice squads and so forth, but there aren't you know, high caliber cornerbacks is sitting on the street waiting to be signed right now because if they were, they would be signed. So the Ravens have to soldier on without Humphrey, and it's a it's a daunting proposition with the players they have coming up or with the teams they have coming up, rather. But next man up, as they say, and that's what they'll have to do. All right, let's talk about this Ravens offense because that's another hot topic in this town. Let's face it, you have to call it what is it. It's been a struggle. The last four games the Ravens have yet to reach 20 points. The Lamar Jackson interception in the first quarter last week was just a bad play. Uh, it looked a lot to me like Lamar Jackson was trying to make something. It looked very similar, honestly, to the touchdown he threw against the Browns where he faded back, faded back out of trouble and tried to find Andrews, and he just didn't get nearly enough under that throw. And it was intercepted in the end zone. And, I mean, that's a decision at the 10-yard line that costs you three points. Lamar Jackson was sacked seven times in that game. Seven times. And I know they have T.J. Watt, and he's one of the elite pass rushers in the league. But Chris Wormley, who was with the Ravens, and they traded him to the Steelers, ended up with two and a half sacks. He He looked like a beast in there. Lamar Jackson looked uncomfortable. He looked to be holding the ball too long. He didn't seem to be seeing the field as well as he used to. You tell me, Daniel Wilcox, when you watch him and the struggles that are going on, what do you see right now? Well, I, I think people are definitely taking advantage of the blitz, you know, against Lamar. I mean, they're, I mean, most of the time when they blitz, it was third down and short, third or long, or whatever the situation may be. It's hard to do a read option play when they're blitzing six, seven guys and you only got five blockers. I mean, that's that's pretty much it's a numbers game, right? You know, it comes down, you 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 got five guys blocking, you got four or five guys going out on routes, and then the quarterback has to get the ball to somebody like within a split second time. Like what you see on television is slowed down in comparison to what's actually going on on the field. On the field, it's, it feels like a split second if it's two seconds. 
you know, it doesn't feel like it's a full two seconds. It's not, it's not a full one, one thousand, two, one thousand in the game. It's like you snap the ball and by the time the ball hits Lamar hand in that shotgun, he feels like they're already in his face, you know, so he don't have time to react. You know, one, one thing he did a good job of was trying to find um the, the check down and he missed it. A lot of times it was there. The check down was there an awful lot. And you saw him scrambling around sometimes and the check down was like wide open, you know, it was the running backs and stuff. Um, sit over in the flats. And if he takes those more often, then it'll stop a lot of the stuff that you're seeing. And sometimes you got to trust that your players can catch the ball for a zero-yard gain and make one or two people miss and get you 10. You know, and if you can take those checkdowns more often than none, you'll put yourself in a much, much, much better situation. I don't think he played horrible at all. I think the, the first pick was him trying to make a play. And I think he was trying to get it to Mark Andrews, which is exactly what you do. You get in trouble, you throw it up, let him go get it. The problem was he underthrew it because he he didn't get enough on it, like you said. I mean, you make the, the perfect analogy on it. I mean, he it was the exact same throw of the other game where he threw the ball and it was a touchdown. He just replayed it again in his mind and tried to get the ball to his playmaker, who nine times out of 10 is going to make a freaking play. He didn't put enough on it to get it to him. The DB was in a better position. The DB made a play. I mean, they get paid too at the end of the day, you know. So I'm not mad about the first pick, although that's not how you want to start a game. You you definitely want to see it after you just came off a four interception game, you know. But when you watch that game throughout that game, the Ravens had three or four times to pick off Ben Roethlisberger, and we flat out dropped them in our hands and we dropped them, right? You know, so it turns in every game. A quarterback, a really good one. I remember playing against Brett Favre all the time, and I remember our DB saying, oh, he's going to give you at least two opportunities to pick him off. We just got to catch him. You know, so, I mean, those two picks, the Ravens dropped. You know, I think Humphreys dropped one. I think Clark dropped one. Those two picks changed the complexity of the game too, right? You know, so it's a game of inches. You know, the, the ball that Mark Andrews dropped to lose the game at the end of the game, the, the, or the throw that Lamar made that was, you know, an inch too far that Mark Andrews didn't get, you know, only got fingertips on that lost the game. And um, the interception that, that that Lamar threw in the beginning of the game, you know, all that stuff come back to hunt you at the end of the game, right? You know, it's a game of inches, man. And I think this team is a dynamic team regardless. I think with all the injuries, with all the guys that are beat up and all the guys that are bang up, they, they found a way to win eight games. I think you got to take your hands off, your hats off to them for that and then just understand the magnitude of what they're dealing with. And yeah, it's, it's been a lot of next man up. It's, it's a lot of guys that you're playing with that doesn't have that chemistry that you've already got with those other guys. And let's face it, the guys that are starters are starters for a reason. You know, the guys that are backups are backups for a reason, you know. And even going back to the Wade trade, I mean, if the guy, if he wasn't better than the guys you got, what the heck are you even worried about him for? You know, like at the end of the day, even if the kid turns out to be a freaking stud two, three years from now, you know, you looking at the guys that you have right now, he did not beat them out in the story. Let's move on. You know, and um, <clears throat> and I think right now it's going to be interesting to see the dynamics of change that comes along with the next series of guys that step up. But when you having teams at the team week in and week out, putting six, seven guys on the line of scrimmage and you only got five to block. He got to get rid of the ball. Wherever that pressure comes from, the ball usually go right where the pressure came from. So you're, 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 I used to miss that hot read a lot as a tight end, you know, until I kind of figured out, okay, I, I get it now. You know, it, it takes a while to kind of get it. Who's coming, when he's coming, especially when everybody has taken on what the Ravens been doing for freaking 20 years. The Ravens have always put five, six, seven, eight guys on the line of scrimmage 
three, four bell out and they only rush three or four. And then they get to your quarterback because the line is so confused and the running backs are confused who to pick up. You know, now everybody's doing that. The Ravens are in a lot of dose of their own medicine right now. I mean, it is what it is. It's football. It's a copycat league, right? That's right. And to your point, I mean, the the blitzing is something that other teams, you talk about copycat league, there's no question the team saw the effect of the blitz by the Dolphins and said, you know what, that might be a way we can get the, to get to them. And we've seen the, the yeah. Bears the next week blitz more than they normally do. The Steelers blitzed a lot, and, and they can expect blitzing to come. But as you said, then it's on Jackson to get rid of the ball quickly, to use his checkdowns, to have his hot receiver in the slot or whoever it might be and make those throws quick. You talked about just to dump off for zero yards and maybe you let the receiver get 10. Let's face it, a dump off for zero yards is better than a sack losing eight. So even if you dump off for zero, I will say this. You mentioned last week you thought Devonta Freeman was going to be a key part of this game, and he was. Um, He ended up with 97 yards of offense if you count 52 rushing and 45 receiving. And I thought in this game, the Ravens and Jackson used the running backs as checkdowns more than I think he, he ever has. In the past few years, Jackson, when he got in trouble, he ran and he didn't really look to the receivers as dump offs and checkdowns. And in this game, Freeman had 45 yards receiving. Latavius Murray had 34. Ricard had a catch off the goal line. So they were up over 80 yards with the, with the running backs out of the backfield. And that's something you don't normally see. But to your point, if they're going to keep blitzing, if they're going to bring six or seven guys and they're bringing more rushers than you have linemen, and there there should be the numbers outside, whether that's a running back or someone, there's not as many guys out in the pattern defensively. So it would it does make sense to think Jackson would use more and more of these checkdowns. And Freeman really showed well in that game, as you said. Now, Rashad Bateman is the other one, though. We talked about checkdowns and quick slants to Bateman. That's the one I'm confused about because he didn't have a catch, and he only was targeted once, and I remember the play, and I don't think the ball was intended for him. It was actually intended for Freeman. Bateman didn't know that, and so he kind of lunged for the ball and, and didn't catch it. But uh, how can they get Bateman more involved? Well, I think that's a that's a coaching thing, and then that's a flow of the game type thing. I, I can remember, you know, of course, I played the receiver tight end position, the H-back position in Baltimore, and there was games where I had four plays, you know, like the, the, the coach would have a play sheet, right, a call sheet. And on that call sheet, it'll have Wilcox's name, and then i have five or six plays. And then, of course, Heat's name would have like 50 plays by Heat. But anyway, that's besides the point. But the four the four catches, the four plays that I knew was designated for me and that we practiced all week and they was wide open, it was almost inevitable, inevitable that something was gonna go wrong. Something was gonna go wrong. And you you have to understand the dynamics of offense. Like defense is like organized chaos. I mean, you could mess up and still be in the right place to make a tackle. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, but on offense. Man, the smallest thing throws off anything. Like all your linemen have to have perfect steps. You know, the snap has to be perfect from the quarter from the center to the quarterback. Um, the running back has to go the right way every single time. He cannot mess up and go the wrong way. If the quarterback bobbles the snap on a freaking snap, then it slows down timing. If you get jammed up on the line of scrimmage a little bit as a receiver, the, the quarterback is off you. He'll have no time to wait. You know, if um he get pressure from the right just a little bit and the play is a right design play and I'm on the right side and the ball is supposed to come to me. And then he has to scramble to his left. I'm, I'm dead. It's like, I was never on the field that play, you know? So it's, it's so many things. Then he has to throw the ball to you and it, ha- it, it can't get tipped at the line of scrimmage. He got, he can't have nobody in his face when he throw it. It has to be easier. You know, it just, it's so many elements that goes into making each one of these plays work. And it may be plays put in, you know, for Bateman just for him. 
so he can get the ball and they can kind of get him included in the game. But every single time, you know, they're blitzing somebody or Lamar has a scramble or Lamar don't see him right away. The lineman blocked the D lineman in the lane, the side of the view, and he can't see that he's open. You know, it's so many different things that we get the wrong coverage. You can't count on what the defense is going to do. The defense may run the cover three instead of cover zero or something. I, I don't know. You know, the touchdown that Lamar threw, they was in cover one and there was nobody on the check down side available for him to throw the ball to for a check down to that right side. And then he got pressure right off that right side. And, it, and he had to, to try to make something happen. It's so many elements, man, that come into play. And I, I don't think they're, they're strategically trying not to get Bateman the ball. I think they have to be able to make some adjustments. You have to go back, evaluate the film and said, okay, when they do this, we, we got to do this, you know, every single time. And then it, it got to be some built in stuff from Lamar to the wideouts to Bateman. Like, all right, you backside by yourself at the X receiver. All right, you singled up. I'm coming to you every single time with a slant. I don't care what we run. I don't care what the play call is. We're going to check out and I'm going to give you a slant. I'm going to just look over at you. All I need is a nod from you and I'm going to throw the slant. Once we throw that slant three or four times, then they're going to have to come out of whatever they're doing, period. They're going to have to do something to adjust for you catching that backside slant. And now we can try to maybe open up our offense a little bit more again. And that sounds very, very simple, you know, because I'm sitting here at home on my couch, right? You know, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it takes 11 guys plus, you know, 10, 15 man coaching staff to be able to put all this stuff together and make it work seamlessly and flawlessly. And the players got to make plays. They can't drop balls when they throw it to them. And the quarterback, they got to throw strikes every single time. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson's taking a lot of criticism for missing an open receiver or for not holding the ball too long. And he had Hollywood Brown over the middle and he didn't see him and he takes a sack or he had Sammy Watkins. He didn't see him and take a sack. And it's obviously very easy for me to say that when I'm looking at a high all 22 view of the play and I'm not down there with TJ Watt in my face, you know, trying to see what Jackson is seeing. Um, I do think I don't for whatever reason, it seems to me. It just doesn't seem that he's seeing the field as well as he used to. And James Urban, the quarterback's coach, has said he thought Jackson's field vision was underrated. He didn't think Jackson got enough credit for how well he sees the field. But he hasn't been seeing his receivers as well lately. And part of it is, as you said, I mean, he's got guys in his face immediately. And, and what, what they need to do is just exactly what you said. How, when they come with this, we have to be ready to go with that. And whether that's a quick slant to Bateman, whether it's Devonta bleeding out into the flat and going away from you know where the pressure came, because where that pressure comes, there should be an opening because that pressure guy is no longer here because he came at Jackson. So that's all the chess match that I'm sure Greg Roman and the right. offensive staff will be working with this week. And that leads us to into this week. They go to Cleveland to face the Browns. Speaking of pressure, they can expect to see Miles Garrett again. They can expect to see Jadavion Clowney again. And they just played this team two weeks ago. And the interesting thing is the Browns had a bye this past week. So the Browns have this weird schedule where they actually play the Ravens twice in a row. And the Ravens squeaked out the win last time, 16-10. to 10. It wasn't pretty, but they did enough to win. They totally shut down the Cleveland running game that totaled 40 yards. The league's number one rushing attack totaled 40 yards in that game. The Ravens in that game stacked the box. They said, we dare you to try to run, and they, and they stopped the run when they tried it. Here's the question I have for you, Daniel Wilcox. Given the Marlon Humphrey injury, do the Browns again try to stick to the run, which didn't work last time, or are they going to take the ball essentially out of Chubb's hands again and say, you know what, they don't have Humphrey. We're going to attack with Jarvis Landry and the rest of our receivers. Uh, how do you think the Browns play this game differently 
two weeks after the Ravens beat them. I can, I can guarantee you one thing. They're going to hold the Browns to 40 yards rushing. They're going to definitely go for two, 300 yards rushing this game. The Browns are going to do everything they can to change that, that outcome from what happened last time. And they they go back, they watch the film. They they know they left a lot on the table as well. And they know the, the Ravens outplayed them and won the, just a little bit more than they did. They're going to come in hungry this time. They know Humphrey is down. And, you, I mean, you said it. They're going to attack, attack, attack. They're going to attack Lamar. They're going to put guys in his face. And what, what you're seeing is most a lot of a lot of teams now are starting to bring in the extra DB, the extra safety, the extra corner. Now they got faster guys chasing Lamar, you know, and you already got Clowney and Garrett. You know, now you're going to bring in somebody else, or, you know, a more versatile safety or something that that's going to come in. And he's going to be one of the guys coming off that edge too, get in his face quick that he won't be able to spin out and, you know, get away from him and separate as fast from that guy. And um, it's going to it's going to cause some problems this week, man, to have Marlon Humphrey out. And all these guys out. And plus, I mean, you, you think about it, man. Lamar don't even have his two starting tackles. You know, he, I mean, a year ago, he was playing with freaking, you know, Zeus Jr. and Ronnie Stanley. And he was very comfortable back there. And he was just patting the ball, patting the ball. And now he, he now he's back there running for his life every three seconds. It's like one, two, three, go. It's like red light. You, you, know, you see the, the game Squid Game, the movie Squid Game, <laughs> the TV show Squid Game. I mean, that's what he's one, two, three, red light. And it's all bullets coming at him right now, man. It's 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 not fun to be in that situation. I don't care what nobody says, man. But Cleveland's gonna come in and they're gonna come in with a vengeance and they're gonna come in to try to definitely, you know, set the tone and the tempo and, and they're gonna try to be vicious. It's gonna be trying to be it's gonna be mean. It's gonna be an opportunity for them to probably put up another 30 another 20 or 30 points more than what they did last time. They played the Ravens and they're gonna take full advantage of these younger guys. You know, as soon as a, as soon as a veteran DB go out, the first thing the OC says they got a new corner and go right at them. You know, and, and the quarterback is like, yeah, let's go right at them. And that's usually exactly what happens. You know, they go right at the young guy and it's going to be a long day for those young corners, you know, for the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to have to definitely step up. The safety is going to have to back them up. I would think you're going to see a lot of cover for this week from the Baltimore Ravens, which you don't usually see unless they're in some kind of prevent defense. And that's, that's having all four DBs back off the ball about 10, 15 yards and two safeties deep, two corners deep. And they're trying to keep everything in front and just come up and make tackles. You know, it's going to be one of those type of things. I can't see them being as aggressive as they are, as they've always been having these shutdown corners like they normally like they're accustomed to having for you know the last 20 years. You know, when you can take somebody like Humphrey and have him shut down the left side or right side of the field and then run your scheme on everybody else. That's huge. But when you lose him and Peters, you got you lose both of your shutdown corners and now you playing with backups. And you don't expect for them to have that same shutdown ability as those two guys, I mean, had. So it's going to be extremely difficult, I think, for the Ravens to maneuver around their defense this week going against the Cleveland Browns and to be as aggressive as they was, you know, week two weeks ago. So what you will see is those D linemen going to have to try to pick up that slack. And thank God you got Clayus back, you know, and Brandon Williams right now because you, you're going to need all the help you can get from those two guys. No, that's a good point. And, and I mean, if the, look, if the Browns score 30, even you said if they're 10, 20 or 30 points more than they had the last game, if the Browns score 30, then the Ravens are going to be in trouble if they don't get things moving. Because I said they haven't even gotten to 20 in any of their last four games. You also mentioned something else I think bears uh, mentioning the tackle position. In addition to Marlon Humphrey being hurt, Patrick McCary got hurt. Uh, he hurt his hand and he's probably going to be out for a few weeks. He's been a good right tackle, so now the Ravens are down to Tyree Phillips, probably going to be the starting right tackle, and if he were to go down, who knows what the tackle position looks like, and that also 
adds into the pressure on Jackson. So the injuries, they just keep coming, unfortunately. The Ravens still lead the division, though, 8-4. and four. Pits, uh, The Browns are sitting there at 6-6. Six and six. So if the Browns were to win this game, they're suddenly back to just one game out of first place, and the whole division is essentially crammed into a one-game difference with just a few games to play. It's going to be a wild final month in this AFC North, and, of course, the Ravens will play the Steelers in the last game of the year. Hey, you was mentioning Patrick McCurry being out. He was also your, your your backup left tackle, your backup right guard, and your backup center. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> That's right. I mean, he's an incredibly versatile player, and so, but he's and he's 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 prospered at right tackle, a position he had never played before. When this season started, he was remember Stanley was going to be the left tackle. Villanueva was going to be the right tackle, and McCarry was kind of the swing, kind of fill-in at guard or maybe center if you needed him. Then Stanley gets hurt. Villanueva moves to the left side. They hit McCarry. Can you play right tackle, you think? And he played well, but him being hurt adds to more problems along that offensive line. All right, Daniel Wilcox, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you last week. The Ravens win in Cleveland if what? If the defense show up and show the freak out. I mean, they're going to have to play lights out on the defensive side of the ball, and they're going to have to hold Baker Mayfield and company to literally less than maybe 14 points. That's the only way I think the Ravens are going to be able to pull this one off this week. Um, the offense is going to be magical. They're going to do some things that's going to blow your mind. I mean, it's Cleveland versus Ravens. I mean, it's always going to be some great plays on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball both ways. But the defense are going to have to do some extreme adjustments. It's going to be an extreme chess match this week. It's going to be like going to it's going to be like going to one of those chess contests where the where the, the, the top chess players in the world are playing with each other and and they're sitting there hitting that butt check you know and they, it's back it's going to be back and forth this week man between these dcs and ocs man so it's going to be really interesting i think the defense has to come up extremely big and i think the special teams are going to have to chip in to kind of help this thing out to, to kind of get us over the hump this week. We need a big play out of special teams. When I say big play, I mean a block point for a touchdown or a kickoff return or a punt return for a touchdown. And then um, the defense itself is going to have to probably keep the Browns underneath 14 points. So they're going to have to play like South football. On special teams, the Ravens, Duvernay's been a really good kick returner. And that, let's face it, they go into every single game with the advantage at kicker. And so Tucker might become a factor again, as he often does. He hit a game-winning field goal in this, in this series in Cleveland last year in that wild 47 to 42 Ravens win at Cleveland last year. Talking about those secondary, right? They're talking about the defense being the key. Let's face it, for a guy like Chris Chris Westry, who has been, you know, scuffling to make a roster and make a team, and this is a chance for him. I mean, this is it becomes if he's healthy and he missed the last couple of games, but or whichever practice squad cornerbacks get called up to contribute. This is a you know, whether this is what the Ravens wanted or not, this is the situation they're in. But for that particular player, this is an opportunity to show that they belong in the NFL and in the, in the future. It could be one of the biggest days of their careers, quite frankly. So the Ravens need guys like Westry and Kevin Tolliver or Robert Jackson or whoever these practice squad cornerbacks are to come up and contribute. And it will be a huge test for mm-hmm. them. But this is, as I said, with the Humphrey injury, this is what they're left with. Right. Well, I I, I absolutely agree with you 100%, man. Uh, and th- it's when they say big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. Like, you get a chance to really show these guys that you deserve to be a Baltimore Raven. I don't think you take it lightly. I don't think you take it for granted. I think you go in and you go out here and you be ready. You, you get prepared, man. Whoever it is that's stepping up this week, whether it's Westfree or anyone else, 
you know, you get your playbook, you study that freaking playbook, you get that game plan, you make sure that game plan, you know it from front to back. You got to treat this thing like you're going to take the ACT or the SAT this week and you got to win and you got to win big. You got to know exactly what you walk into on that field and do. You got to know the referees names. You got to know who the referees wives are. You got to know who the OCs, the DCs are, the position coaches are. And then you got to know exactly who you're playing against. You got to know what his strengths, his weaknesses are. And you got to know his best moves, his best route, the route that he likes to run the most. And you got to know which route that you're going to pick off this week if you're a DB. And you got to prepare for that route week in and week out. You got to look for that formation. You got to look for the quarterback eye contact. You got to look for the inconsistencies from the center. You got to look for every freaking thing that you can get to get an edge and try to make this thing be great for you. No, it's a big opportunity, and that's 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 good stuff. And I, you know, it will be the opportunity for those defensive backs. The Ravens just have to soldier on without Humphrey. They've done it without Peters. They've done it without Stanley. They've done it without Dobbins, and now they have to do it without Humphrey. So we'll see how it goes in Cleveland, and then we head to the final home stretch of the season for Daniel Wilcox. This is Bo Smolka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.